Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like him. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you guys. Like Caleb said, I'm Jennifer Wenji, and I'm so excited to be able to be part of this Misconceptions uh, message series. I got to watch it online last week and got to listen to all of the misconceptions that Bobby talked about. Some of them were really silly misconceptions that we have, and some of them were pretty important, spiritual, scriptural, those kind of things. So I wanted to show you guys a misconception that was brought to my attention that I had. And I'm just going to tell you, first service didn't get real excited about this. So I am depending on you guys to get excited about this because my husband, okay, let me just explain this real quick. We are almost empty nesters, so there's not a lot of excitement around our house. So when my husband comes downstairs and is like, I just watched this YouTube video, your mind is going to be blown that's excitement for our house. So just know that coming in. But I had always thought that when it is time to put a trash bag into a trash can that you just, you know, take it out. You got to do the thing. You got to somehow get it all in there. Takes forever, doesn't it? You got to get it on. And my husband was like, you're not going to believe this. Have you ever noticed that the seam is on the outside of the trash can when you do it that way? Has anybody else seen this video? You guys don't seem super impressed yet. Come on, roll with me here. So look at what I learned. You take your trash can, you put it like this, and you just shove the middle down. Ta-da. Thank you for the excitement. This kind of blew my mind, okay? But my misconception was about a trash can. Now let's be real, whether... However, I put the trash can liner in. Doesn't really make a difference. It works both ways. But it was a misconception. So a misconception really is any idea that's just wrong or untrue, but people believe it to be true because they don't understand the subject property. And that's what we're looking at during this message series series is all of the misconceptions that sometimes we have. And one of those misconceptions is what we're going to look at today is that When we become Christians, we know that there is some tough stuff in life sometimes, but we kind of feel like it should feel like life is just rainbows, unicorns, and cotton candy, right? I mean, God is on our side. We're the king's kids. Everything should really just, it should just feel good all the time. But the reality is, is that's not necessarily true. That's a misconception. And there's truth in that because we are, we do belong to the king. And there is a very special way that as Christ followers, we do navigate when tough stuff happens, but it doesn't mean that we don't feel it. Because whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, life is tough. It's just how it is. But sometimes when we have a misconception about what God says about that, it creates a disillusionment. And when life really does get tough, we wonder, does God really love us? How could this thing be happening to us? So that's what we're going to dig in today. We're going to look at what Scripture says about when life is tough. And we're going to look at a verse straight from Jesus. So before we do that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for the opportunity 
to dig into your word um, with people I love so much and hold so dear to my heart. And God, I pray that you just prompt our hearts and that you open our hearts and the Holy Spirit just illuminates your word in the way that only the Holy Spirit can do. And we thank you for this time together. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at John 16.33. We're going to spend most of our time in this one verse today. And this is what Jesus says to us. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So because I don't speak Aramaic and I don't read Greek, um, I realize that there's some translation in here to get to our English language. So I want us to unpack a good bit about what Jesus is telling us in this verse. He starts off with saying, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. I have a question. What did you just tell us? Who are you talking to? And one of the great ways to stop misconceptions about scripture or about spiritual things is always knowing that when you pick a verse out of the Bible, there's always context around it. And you always need to look at the context to get the full story and the full meaning to make sure you don't have any misconceptions. So in this verse, you actually would go back about three chapters. Uh, probably John 13 is where that starts. This week, take some time, read John 13 through 16. Read a chapter a day. It'll give you a great amount of context of where this verse comes in the big realm of things. But the context here, Jesus spends a couple chapters talking to the disciples about what's coming down the road for them. Some things that are coming along their way. So Jesus starts and you know, tells them like, hey, by the way, I'm leaving you. I know, not real happy about that. And by the way, it's going to be really sorrowful sorrowful for you. You're going to hurt. It's going to be hard. I am going to return, but they didn't quite understand the fullness of what that, that meant. And Jesus also told them, look, you're going to be scattered, so you're going to lose your community in this. And also, you guys are just all going to abandon me, which, yeah, you said you never would, but you are. And people are actually going to kill you guys, and they're going to think that they did it in the name of the Lord. And Jesus even tells them, like, there's more stuff, but you couldn't bear it, so I'm just going to not tell you right now. I mean, talk about uplifting, looking for the future, right? But Jesus also, through those couple of chapters, tells them the good things. He tells them that the Holy Spirit is going to come and that reminds them of his great love for them and that what he is going to do for them. So even in the midst of, hey, there's some tough stuff that's going to happen, but you need to realize you're never alone in it, and I'm going to be here. And there's going to be some beauty that comes even in this trial that you're getting ready to walk through. So Jesus tells them, I've told you all this. So that's the all this, so that you may have peace in me. Because Jesus wanted them to rest in peace even in the midst of the tough stuff that was going to happen in their lives. When Jesus talks about <clears throat> peace, what he means is not kind of, when we think of peace, we just think of, I guess, no pain, no conflict, everything. You know, you think of a peaceful ocean. It's just calm. There's nothing going on. But what this word really means, peace, when Jesus is talking about it here, is still that tranquil state, but it's of our soul. It's not the environment around us, but it's peace in our soul. 
And we have that peace in our soul because we have an assurance of the fact that Jesus saved us. He died on the cross to take the place of us, to take our sins on himself so that we can be forgiven, free, and spend eternity with him. We sang about that this morning. That's what peace is, resting sure deep in our soul that that is our hope for tomorrow, no matter what craziness is going on in the world around us. Rest in the promise and hope of eternity. So when we're trying to break misconceptions, the first thing that we need to look at, and we're going to consistently see this through our scriptures today, is that God loves us, period. End of everything. We could just go home at this point. God loves us, but we also see in here that we have peace. And this peace is only comes from Jesus. The world that we live in doesn't give us this. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So when Jesus is talking about peace of mind and heart, sometimes the 18 inches between our mind and our heart are some of the hardest role in peace to connect. But Jesus is saying, you're going to have peace, not just in your feelings, but in your thought process. And if you're walking through trials to have both of those peace in them, is very often a challenge, isn't it? Or maybe it's just me. And Jesus says, and the peace I give to you is a gift the world can't give, so it only comes from him. And he says, don't be troubled or afraid. That's so encouraging. But we see Jesus tells them more than just, I'm going to give you peace. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Doesn't that make you glad you got up and braved a storm to come here, that you're going to have many trials and sorrows. (laughs) But there's beauty in this. And when Jesus talks about here on earth, he's not talking about like the round earth that we live on. He's talking about being amongst mankind, right? Broken people that are sinful, that are a hot mess, that we are part of the broken people club. And whenever you have all of those broken people living together, things are going to be messed up. We are going to have many trials and sorrows. And that word trials and sorrows, what it really means is pressure. So there's going to be a big amount of pressure in our lives. Now, we know that there are certain times where like a moderate point of pressure or amount of pressure is great. You know, it kind of moves us along. It makes sure we don't become complacent. So sometimes we welcome that a little bit and we're like, I can handle that. I want to, I want to be more like Jesus. So I know that a little bit of pressure when he brings things to mind, some attitudes I have, maybe some actions I have, Jesus is going, he's going to illuminate that with me. And sometimes pressure is how that happens. But there's also the level of pressure that makes us feel like I am going to explode. Like life is in a set of vice grips that are just getting pushed together. And there is so much pressure, we feel like we're just going to explode. It's kind of like in a pressure cooker. That's what it feels like. Anybody have an Instant Pot? Okay, see? The adopters of Instant Pots are like, yes, best thing ever, because you can put like raw chicken and hard potatoes and some chicken broth and a little seasoning packet in it, turn it on for 30 minutes, vacuum, 
come back and you have this wonderful dinner. It's chicken that's moist and wonderful and smells amazing. And you think, how in the world could that come out of 30 minutes? Pressure is what creates that beautiful end result of this amazing meal. Now, if you don't use the pressure on the pressure cooker, say you use it as a slow cooker, you open that in 30 minutes and you have raw chicken still. You have the rawness of whatever you started with and there's no great, beautiful thing at the end. You would not eat it. But pressure applied gets this beautiful end result of it. Now, if you have an Instant Pot, you probably noticed we did when we opened it. We were like, could they put any more warning signs on this? I get it. Don't take the top off when the pressure cooker's on because it's going to melt your face off. Like, I get it. Lots of warnings. But it's because of the exuberant amount of pressure that is needed to refine your raw chicken to be an amazing dinner. And that's what life is like too, the trials and sorrows, the pressure that happens in life refines us. I had a sweet friend that gave the best word picture of trials and sorrows coming into our lives. She would say that nothing came into our life that was not sifted through the hand of God. And I always loved seeing that word picture. Because anytime you sift something, like if you've ever panned for gold, you sift out the sand. If you bake, you probably sift the flour. And the purpose of that is to only get the best stuff out of it. You want to get all the impurities out so it can be refined and purified on the other end. That's what trials, pressure, and sorrow do to us as Christ followers. They refine us. They purify us. They help us to learn who Jesus is and how to depend on him when everything isn't rainbows, unicorns, and candy corn, right? So the goal of a Christ follower is not for life to be easy, but it's for us to continue to learn to be more like Jesus. And when we walk through a pressure cooker time and somehow we look a little bit more like Jesus on the other end, and we walk into this broken world, that mankind that we just talked about, knowing who Jesus is, it changes the world around us. So refinement just doesn't change us, but it changes our whole realm of influence. God loves us enough to make sure that we don't stay raw chicken. He wants us to be who he created us to be. So again, how we break the misconception we were reminded again that God loves us and he loves us so much, he refines us. Now, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia books along with a lot of other writings, uh, in one of his books, he tells a story about a group of people that live in the same building. So there's two different groups of people. One of The first group is told that um, the building that they're living in is a hotel. And the second group of people are told that the building that they're living in is a prison. So the people that think that they're living in a hotel are extremely disappointed with their accommodations. They said it's uncomfortable. It is not meeting their expectations. They're not even getting a one-star review. It is not what they expected. Where the people who are told that they're living in a prison are like, this isn't so bad. There's like freedom here. I'm actually kind of comfortable in this. 
And what C.S. Lewis says is, if you think the world is a place intended simply for your happiness, you find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and it's not so bad. It keeps our perspective right when we realize there's a purpose to trials and sorrows, and it's a refinement purpose. So no matter what our situation, even though it feels like we're in a pressure cooker, the love of God is always with us. He loves us enough to give us peace, to refine us, but to never leave us in all of it. Now, if there's one guy in the New Testament um, that we hear about that understands suffering, it's the Apostle Paul. His life was full of shipwrecks, he was lost at sea, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, all of this numerous times. He's the kind of guy that, you know how you know someone and you're like, I can't believe how hard their life is. Like, it just doesn't even seem real. It seems like a movie. This was Paul. He understood trials and suffering. But listen to what he says about God's love in the midst of whatever is going in our life going on in our lives, the things that have sifted through the hand of God and rest in our realm of influence. Romans 8, 35 through 39 says this. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's what a guy who has suffered says about the love of God. And the theologian Oswald Chambers responds to this passage scripture by saying, the saint never knows the joy of the Lord in spite of tribulation, but because of it. The experience of life, whether they're terrible or monotonous, are impotent to touch the love of God which is in Jesus. Now, Jesus just goes through a lot of the tough stuff with us, right? Trials, sorrows, pressure. But listen to how he ends John 16, 33. He says, but. And anytime there's that word, but, it means this is the direction we were going, but look at the other direction. He says, but take heart, have hope, have courage, find joy because I have overcome the world. And again, when Jesus is talking about overcoming the world, it's not the globe, but he's overcome the sinfulness of the broken world that we live in, that we are a big part of. And when we talk about overcome, what that word really means is to take away something's power to harm. So when Jesus says that he has overcome world. That means all of the things that are filtered through God's hand that come into our lives, Jesus has overcome them and taken away the power out of them to destroy us. 
That gives me a lot of peace. Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he came to this earth. He understood betrayal. He understood sickness, loneliness, death, sorrow, pain. The list goes on and on. Anything we go through, Jesus fully understands, and he has overcome it. So as we are finishing those misconceptions and saying no more, we're again reminded God loves us and he overcame. So he brings us peace, he refines us, and ultimately he overcomes anything that this world can bring to us. And notice it's in the past tense. He doesn't say, I'm going to overcome. He said, I overcame. I've taken care of it, guys. So yes, there are going to be trials and sorrows, but I'm there in it, and there's nothing that can destroy you out of it. Now, all of us have our own stories, right? We all have times, and you probably have been thinking about times where you feel like you've had that pressure, whether it's been in a pressure cooker, whether it's moderate pressure. Maybe some of you are like, I've not really had any tough stuff yet. Well, buckle up, because you will. We all will at some point. And I always wonder, like, how much of your story do you share? Because whenever you talk about things like this, when you're like, life is going to be hard, and how do we navigate that to see the love of God in that? That's hard to stomach. And I never want anybody to feel like, do you even really know what that means? So I want you to know that I do. And I'm going to share a little bit of my story And not so that you go, oh, wow, that was hard. But I want you to see the glory of God. I want you to hear a real person's story that walked through some hard stuff, but got to see God's hand in goodness through it all. Not without asking all the questions and it being tough, but to know that somehow God was in the midst of it. So about 2015, um, my sisters and I started realizing things were not right with my mom. And eventually we found out that she had a disease that had uh, dementia-like symptoms. Um, It wasn't dementia, but close. So I had had friends that had parents with dementia. And when somebody tells you that, you're like, "I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I know that's hard. But until you walk through that with a family member or watch that, you have no idea the complexity of that. It's not just this, this person loses their memories. It's what it does to your whole family unit, this complexity of care and what that looks like. And that's enough for anybody to walk through. It's so hard to watch your parents and to see that and figure out how you're supposed to navigate and care. And my, my dad was actually my mom's primary caregiver, and she had gotten to a point of really losing her mobility, almost, but not totally. So it was a really scary space. He was having trouble himself caring for her and with us. I have two sisters, so all of us trying to kind of share the weight, and it was getting a lot. And my dad ended up with a blood clot in his leg that eventually moved to his lungs and put him in cardiac arrest and was rushed to the hospital and um, coded a few times. And because he was that oxygen for so long, the doctors, when we got there, they were like, we don't know if he's going to recover. We don't know about brain function. We don't know anything. So for the next 10 days, that was the road that we journeyed. 
just wondering, trying to figure things out, having a little bit of hope and then no hope. And eventually the doctors said, he is not going to be able to recover from this. So you guys have some decisions to make. He can't sustain life on his own. So as girls who knew that my dad loved Jesus, we were not going to make him stay here. So we made the choice to bring in hospice and let him go to the end of life and go see Jesus. At the same time, we were realizing that who's going to care for my mom? My dad couldn't even do it with all of our help. And we all lived in different places. We were like, there's just no way. So as we're playing in a funeral, we also had to figure out how to find an assisted living home that we felt comfortable leaving with my mom in. That's hard. It's hard to do alone without the other things. And that was January of 2020, and we had a plan. Almost every day, my mom would have one of us to come see her. But we didn't realize that in two months, this thing called COVID would come in play, and the assisted living homes, no one was going in or out. So this woman who didn't understand really all that was going on no longer could see her daughters except through FaceTime. It was hard. We all walked through COVID in some way, shape, or form, right? It looked different for everybody. And then November of that year, nine months later, we got a call from my mom's assisted living home that said, hey, she's not eating. We feel like she needs to go to the hospital. So she went, they found out that she had had a stroke. And in that stroke, lost her ability to swallow, which for a woman who didn't eat to live, she lived to eat, that was a big deal. So my sisters are having, and I are having to make the same decision that we had just made for my dad a few months earlier. Quality of life, medical directives, all the things. So again, we walked with my mom through the process of hospice to the end of her life. It was hard. But that's not where I want you to see. What I want you to see is God's goodness in that. I can tell you story after story after story about how Jesus somehow let the right people be at the right place. When we needed tough stuff, the right doctor was on call. When we needed somebody just to love us, the right nurse was on call. We had friends that showed up to the hospital, sometimes with food, sometimes with a hug, sometimes to just sit with us. We saw Jesus with skin on over and over again. And if you've walked through trials and sorrows, you've probably seen that too. Sometimes you don't see it in the middle, And sometimes you have to get past it a little bit and you look back and think, wow, that was the hand of God. I got to say bye to both my parents in really sweet ways that I had no idea I was telling them goodbye. That was a gift of God. My mom being in the hospital was a gift because we actually got to see her and walk through the end of her life with her. And that was a privilege, but it was a trial and a sorrow at the same time but we saw God's hand and we saw his love and we asked the questions. We had the times when we were mad and hurt and angry. Those are normal and he can handle it. But I also saw the refinement that comes out of it. I'm not the same person. Some of that's because you have bruises and you have scars, but out of those, sometimes you get beautiful, beautiful pieces. I love better My compassion meter is way higher than it was. I've learned to hold on to Jesus when everything else feels like it's falling apart. And that peace that Jesus talked about, 
and just understanding who he is and who we are in him, I got to feel that in a new way. Now, I assure you, I am still being refined. (laughs) Ask anyone who knows me. I am not there yet. But I saw that God made me better in the midst of it. And as I share my story, I see him, his glory, being able to be shared with the people around us. I live in a mindset of you never know what people are going through. So the cranky person in line in front of me, I just don't get mad at anymore. You never know the dis- what they just heard from a doctor's office or a family member. So I've seen God be good and that nothing could separate us from his love. In the midst of whatever we go through, nothing will separate us. Not the questions we have, not the hurt that we go through. Now, if you're here today going, I've walked through that and I'm not sure I see the hand of God yet or his grace, I'm just going to encourage you to hold on. Because a lot of times on the other side or when we are disconnected just a tinge from it, we can look back and see the hand of God and realize it was him doing things and not just circumstances in play. Nothing can separate us from the love of God not trials, not sorrows. We're going to have them, and He's going to love us through them because He's the one who can overcome every one of them. So as we close today, I'm going to pray for two different things. The first thing is you may be here today and go, okay, that kind of peace knowing that I'm being loved through a really, really hard thing like that. Like, I don't know this Jesus, but I want to know the Jesus you're talking about. Because the world doesn't give this kind of peace. The world doesn't love us like this. It's only through Christ. And if that's you today, we're gonna, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say a prayer together where you just tell Jesus that you believe he's God's son, the chasm that we sang about earlier, that you know that Jesus is the chasm, fills the chasm. He's that bridge between us and a holy God because he died on the cross and rose on the third day. He defeated sin and death. And if you want him to take control of your life and be your peace and the one who loves you in all times, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray with me. And then I'm gonna ask all of us to bow our heads and I'm just gonna pray scripture over us. If there's one thing that can stop misconceptions, it's this, the word of God is truth and it can speak into our lives at all times and remind us of who God is and who we are in him. So I'm gonna just pray using some scriptures together. So I'm just gonna ask that everybody just bow your heads. Don't be disconnected or disengaged from anything else, but just listen and let these words flow over you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just wanna start and pray for the people who are here today. Lord, if anyone has said, I want Jesus to be the one who saves me, and to take control of my life. And I know he's the son of God. God, I just pray that they pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross. Lord, I understand 
that you took my sin on you, made the ultimate sacrifice through death so that I could live forever with you in eternity. And Jesus, I give you control of my heart and my mind and my life. And I thank you for the peace that you bring in your great love for me. And I accept you to be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, Heavenly Father, for every person in this room, Jesus, we know that you went through and are well aware of everything that happens on this side of eternity for us in our broken world. Isaiah 53.3 prophesied about who you were. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Lord, that's how people thought of you. So you get it. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Psalm 34.19 says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, you will, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. James 1, 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray or talk to the Lord about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And finally, Lord, Psalm 55, 22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. God, I am so grateful for your great love and that you take care of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.